Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sorg-Friedman, and today we're discussing the increasingly blurred lines between product and brand, and why, at least in terms of the user experience, it makes sense to build the brand into a product from the outset. I'm joined by Robert Wallace and Jesus Ramirez. Both are partners at Tallwave, a business design and innovation agency focused on helping companies build great products and take them to market successfully. Robert is also EVP of Marketing, and Jesus is VP of Product. All right, well, welcome, Robert and Jesus. It's great to have you on board. Uh, Let's start with an overview of why brands should be built into the product from the start to optimize the user experience. Jesus, why don't you start? Um, Yeah, I mean, quite simply, I think it's about um, driving engagement, building relationships with customers or with users. And so, you know, I think we've, um, you know, I think we know that historically, uh, one really effective way of building a relationship with customers is by brand. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, um, a lot of reasons why you would want to, uh, incorporate that into your product as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would just, I'm sorry, I would just add to that. I, I think, um, if, if I think about what's the difference between, marketing or branding and, and product, I, th- I think the, the one thing that they for sure have in common is that they're trying to ach- make an emotional connection with their customer or their user. And that's, sort yeah. of the, that's the end goal. That's, that's the, the ultimate goal for any, any uh, product or any brand. And so uh, what, what we're seeing now is the two of those are merging because you, you can you it's very hard to decouple those as you're trying to build that emotional connection. So then I, that kind of leads me into the next question, which is um, when we talk about brand and product, what's the difference? Can you all help our listeners understand the distinction and then the similarities and why it's important to meld them? Yeah, I mean, the difference, uh, it's funny. I mean, there used to be one. I think there used to be a pretty stark difference between brand and product. If you think of, like, traditional brands, like a Coca-Cola or Harley Davidson, um, the the product and the brand are very decoupled. Um, so mm-hmm. you can you can distinctly sort of uh, point to the to point to the product and then point to the brand, uh, and and so 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 that you know there used to be a, a pretty stark difference, but now I think now it's you're seeing a lot of companies that are um, starting to blend the two and merge the two, and I think it's starting to become harder and harder to really tell the two apart. So if you look at uh, companies like Uber or if you look at um, products like Siri um, or, or other products, I can name uh, quite a few others, that they, you know, they really are merging those two lines. And it's really hard to distinguish what the difference is between product and brand because they're both sort of playing the same role. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you think there is this shift in focus? Well, um, I think one of the reasons is that the, the tech world, or at least the, uh, you know, especially the software applications and mobile apps and, and what that type of, of situation has, has been maturing as an industry. I think a lot of times, or if you look back to the uh, early days of the Internet or even the recent past of the Internet, the technology was always the main differentiator and helped, and they led with uh, the technology, and that, that, and they sort of 
didn't really value branding per se or storytelling and that type of marketing. Well, now with cloud computing and a lot of other things, that has uh, commoditized a lot of those technological advancements. And with any commodity, as any market becomes more commoditized, branding becomes more important. That's why, you know, it, uh, Jesus mentioned uh, Coca-Cola or Harley-Davidson or Tide detergent. At the end of the day, that is, those are commodity products. They are motorcycles or they are soap. Uh, Etc. And so the brand becomes increasingly important as the the, the type of product becomes more commoditized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say one other reason for the shift is that I think software changes things. So, like if you if you look at the examples that I gave, the you know the the Coca Colas and the, the Harley Davidsons, where um, there was a very stark difference between product and brand. Um, the reason that those two are really starting to blend together now is that really software changes things. So there's more opportunity. If you think of any uh, software product, you know, Coca-Cola, you're, you're, you're having interaction with the product, you know, how, how often? Once every, you know, a couple of days. Um, but with software, you're interacting with the product or, you know, a, uh, an application, a mobile app or, or a work, work application. Um, you're, you're interacting with it multiple times a day, right? So the, the, the touch points and the opportunities to reinforce and uh, reinforce the brand and build a relationship um, are, are multiplied now. And so you have a lot more interactions and you have a lot more opportunities to reinforce that brand. So you know, I think the you know um, uh, software is is a big reason that that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Well, what's a great way to accomplish this shift in focus? You know, what's the importance about being deliberate, you know, in the personality, voice and tone, look and feel at every touch point? I think the first step is to think, think about both of both products and brands at the same time when you first conceive it. I think that's the, the most important first step is, is not think of them as serially. Don't think about building the product and sprucing it up and figure figure out how it's going to look and how you're going to uh, talk to your customers. And that's, um, in a lot of cases, how that process is done. I think uh, even just realizing that every touch point inside of your product has to be doing something in order to build that emotional connection with the end users and the customers, um, that alone is, is will get the conversation at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I mean, to piggyback off of what Robert said, I mean, every interaction, no matter how small, um, is an opportunity to strengthen that 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 relationship with your users and build that emotional connection. So, things that you normally wouldn't associate with brands, things like, you know, um, email confirmations or error messages or push notifications or uh, welcome screens, all these things are. Uh, micro interactions in your product that you can leverage to um, to reinforce that 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 relationship and to um, to build that emotional connection and that relationship with users. And so, you know, I don't think that I think traditionally a lot of um, uh, product people don't really think of those things in 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 the lens, like in uh, in a branding lens or in um, you know, they, they don't really think of those as opportunities to, to do that. And so I think just kind of thinking about that and thinking about uh, those is, is um, really key uh, touch points that you can, um, that you can leverage 
is is a good start. Yeah, that's interesting because I understand uh, having an emotional connection with a product. It's one thing to talk about it, and it's an entirely different thing to be able to pull it off. You know, and I think um, your example yeah. of having micro interactions are, you know, that that's a great way of building an emotional connection over time. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, if you look at the best products out there, if you look at, and, and you know, we use we use a couple of different examples uh, quite often, but because they do it so well. But if you look at the products out there that are doing this really well, like the Slacks and the Mailchimps. Just think about the interactions that you have with the software. Just think of the interactions that you have, you know, the messages that you receive um, anytime that you interact with it, whether it's a message or whether it's um, some type of response to an action you took. All these things are very, very deliberate, and nothing is, you know, in those applications. It's, um, you know, those those things aren't just afterthoughts, right? They're all thought of cohesively, so... Uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about at Tallwave is building a voice and tone for your product. So what is the personality of your product? That can, that can serve as a, as a, um, as a cohesive way of communicating with your users. And, and then you just gotta ensure that each one of those interactions, each one of those different micro interactions or micro touch points, uh, really, uh, carry that, that voice and tone throughout. Yeah, so that's one way of doing it. Yeah, and just to, to build on that, it, it's uh, it's not necessarily the exact same voice and tone at every micro interaction either. Um, and, and you have to think about what's the appropriate voice and tone given the situation that the user might be in. So, um, if they're doing something fun or cool or, or accomplish something, you may have a lighter-hearted tone, or you might might be. A, good way to, to crack a joke or to say something funny in the messaging. Uh, but if what, but if you think about the micro-interaction when there's uh, been a technical problem or uh, something crashes or what you're asking them to do uh, doesn't go well, uh, you, you don't want to have that same necessarily lighthearted tone. You would want to be thoughtful about what the user is going through at that moment and speak to them in the appropriate way. That's interesting. So it sounds like establishing voice and tone and personality of a product is one of the first conversations you have. Yeah. Do you find things change after you've had initial conversations or do you generally, are you generally able to get things in order so that you have a, a sense and just continue moving down a path with a particular uh, voice and tone or personality? Uh, I guess what I'm asking is, are you ever surprised? Do you ever surprise yourselves? Well, if, I, I think if I if I understand um, the, the question, um, once you've had that, once you've done the work as a as a team to under, to, to really are define what what we want our voice to be and what kind of tone we want to take, and and we've been pretty specific about that, then I think the next step is to actually inventory all of the touch points that we think are in the product or are in the product at the time and then start to actually just put pen to paper and figure out what those would be. Um, I don't know if that touches on your uh, surprise question or not, though. No, it does. I, I probably wasn't very clear. I was just thinking, you know, even though you establish, uh, sometimes if you have a voice and tone and personality, if as you continue with the product, 
you know, perhaps it uh, isn't able to do what you imagined it would do initially. You know, there's some kind of roadblock or obstacles in the path. Do you, and so do you ever have to go back and, and change what um, the product will do? But it sounds as if you're saying once you've uh, established the voice and tone and the personality of your product, you're pretty secure in, in its uh, capacity and you're able to uh, continue moving forward with the initial decisions that you've made. Yeah, I mean, if, if I can interject here, I, I, I think, um, you know, again, I don't know if I'll, if, I'll, if I'll be answering somebody's question here, but I think it's, it's important to, to make a distinction between um, a voice and tone guidelines, uh, no different than, say, like a branding guidelines, right? It, it doesn't define every single interaction. Um, it really is just, you know, it, it's a set of guidelines. It's a set of guidelines that say these are sort of the principles that are going to guide us in the decisions that we make. So it could be decisions around microcopy that is uh, inserted into the application. It could be copy that is part of a uh, 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 an email um, uh, notification or uh, confirmation email, all these different um, points, you know, the, the, the voice and tone guidelines really just help um, help establish that cohesiveness across all these different interactions, but it doesn't necessarily define them up front. So it still allows for, you know, teams. It actually creates a way for teams to, to move fast and iterate uh, and then just making sure that they're they're abiding by those guidelines, and and so a lot of times it actually uh, helps to do that up front because then it gives people sort of guidelines for 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 executing, and they can execute at their own pace and don't have to get approval for every single little change that's made to to the emails or the microcopy or whatever they're in charge of. Okay, well that makes sense. Does that, does that answer your Yes, I think so. Yeah, well, we had okay. talked a little earlier about um, the maturing industry for technology, and now there's, um, you know, that there's been a differentiation um, that you, that things were led with technology, and now storytelling is is more important as there's a more of a merging of uh, product. Uh, do you all have any? case studies or processes that you've incorporated or lessons learned from um, some of your customers or the work you've done at Tallwave? Well, um, I'll, I'll speak to the processes first. The way, the way we approach it, um, we have uh, several workshops and, and defined processes that we work on uh, with other companies that are doing this where we're helping them build their products and, and brand them um, to make sure that they're aligned at the, at the company level um, and that they understand um, what they want to accomplish and what those customer touch points are. Um, I, I think at the core of a lot of what we do is to make sure the, the way this all really works well is if you have a great degree of empathy for the end user or the buyer of your product. And so uh, we call it empathy mapping uh, when you actually go through the exact, you know, very detailed life of the people that we're trying to uh, serve. And by doing that and you start to build this empathy for them at different points in a process uh, so that, and that that is at the core of 
what they're feeling and how we can help uh, best serve them at the time. When you do the sympathy mapping, is it um, part of the persona process? Do you work on persona, identify personas prior to this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're talking about a couple of different distinct processes, right? I mean, I can sort of give an overview of how you would do this serially, um, but, you know, and I can kind of keep it sort of high level. So, I mean, I think to elaborate on what, what, what Robert was talking about, the, the empathy mapping, I think it's, you know, I think you start with understanding your users, you like, and, and the empathy mapping is a part of that. So, um, before you even start talking about what your brand is going to be and what the, what the branding guidelines and the voice and tone guidelines are going to be and the interactions, before you get into any of that, you have to understand your users. And the brand doesn't necessarily have to speak to them or the voice and tone doesn't necessarily have to, um, it doesn't have to sort of take on the same personality as your customers or your users, but it has to account for them. So, you know, like you said, like we've said throughout this, this, this talk is, you're building the brand's primary role is to uh, build that emotional connection and build relationship with users. And so you got to, your personality has to have a, a personality that, or your brand has to have a personality that your customers want to build a relationship with, right? So it has to take that into account. So a lot of the ways that we do that is with, with empathy mapping and with developing personas really to, to understand uh, users and customers better um, from there then you can start to um, draft some some ideas for what kind of personality you want to give your brand. And, and, and there's several exercises that we do. One that we we like to use is called, uh, you know, we use a fairly simple children's game called Apples to Apples that, that has, you know, you're matching up nouns with adjectives, and we just take out all the adjectives and give them to everybody uh, in a room and, and start having people – sort of uh, lay down cards of adjectives that they think best describe or capture the essence uh, of, of their brand or that they want to capture the essence of their brand. And, and so, you know, we do this in a group setting or in a workshop. And over time, it doesn't happen immediately, but, you know, through several iterations, you start to really crystallize what that personality is based on these various adjectives. Um, you also want to make sure that you're you're providing some sort of constraint. So you know if if part of your personality or part of the brand is is the brand's voice and tone is to be to be witty, you don't want to be condescending, right? So condescending becomes that boundary. And so then once you have what that voice and tone is, you have sort of those guidelines. Then you can start doing inventory of your product, but you can also be doing inventory of every single interaction, whether it's the website or whether it's the ad copy, um, you know, Facebook ads, all these, these, all these points are interactions for your brand to have with users or prospects or potential customers. And so you can start to, to, to identify all those. And then obviously the product is going to be a big part of that distribution or that uh, point of interaction. And so just defining that, that universe and all those micro points is, I would say, the next step. And then it's a lot of work to actually craft the messages uh, that are going to go into those slides. So at a high level, that's kind of the process we take. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot of nuance uh, in there in between. Interesting. All right. Well, um... <laughs> and I know, and I know that was, I know that was a lot, right? So I mean, I, I'm happy to sort of follow up or dig into any one of those things in particular if, uh, if you're if you're interested. 
Yeah, I, I just find it fascinating. I, I, I love the idea of empathy mapping and, um, you know, making sure that you are consistent, well, you're consistent in your messaging, but depending on the situation and how you want to interact with people. So really anticipating what the, uh, what the incident is yeah. at, at each, with each interaction. Yeah, and, and, what's go and what's going through people's minds at each of those times as well. Right. How are they feeling? Yes. Yeah. One of the yeah, like a good example of this is is um, I think Robert touched on this earlier, but error messages. So just think about that simple interaction that a brand, I mean, that a product has with with the user. Any times that a that a user makes an error on an application, uh, think about the emotional state that a user is in at that point. Right. They're probably a little bit frustrated. They're probably a little bit vulnerable, um, and they're probably a little bit sort of agitated, right? And so, like, if you don't take those things into consideration in the message that you provide um, when a user makes an error, uh, you could come off very insensitive. You can come off very, um, you know, very um, sort of cold, uh, and, and those those could even have negative or adverse effects to to, to building relationship with your users, right? And so you just have to take those things into account. Um, they're, they're, they're tiny little details, but it's those tiny details that collectively, um, you know, build, build, uh, you know, build a relationship. It's no, it's no different than, than human interaction, right? It's no different than two people interaction. Like not one single interaction is gonna, is gonna define whether you like or dislike somebody. It's all the interactions, and it's like the micro gestures or the micro, uh, you know, um, you know, comments that they make that that determine whether they like you or not. <laughs> and so it's no different than a, you know, it's no different for a product and and the relationship that it's trying to build with with its users. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense. Well, do you all have any uh, suggestions? Some actionable items people might consider uh, from this conversation. I know we talked a bit about empathy mapping. I think that's uh, definitely something that people need to consider. I, I love your ideas about the exercises where you um, play apples to apples and um, yeah. choose, you know, select from adjectives until you can home in on your brand and determine exactly how, you yeah, know, I mean, what words that best evoke it. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you want to do the apples to apples exercise, um, well, you have to get the game. But all you have to do is take all the green cards, and those are your adjective cards, and just, uh -huh. and just whittle it down, and it takes some time because they're very specific words. I, I think it's, it's most useful if you can whittle it down to five, maybe six. I think when you have more than that, and you might be, in, you might be tempted to have more than that, that it's, that's difficult to implement effectively. That's too many that's too many things to think about when you're developing copy or, or whatnot. But if you can come down to five or six of them, you list those out, and all you have to you, you go through this exercise. We just uh, where we say what are the but not statements. So we are witty but not condescending. We are um, intelligent but not arrogant. We are. Um, Etc. So I, those are the two that always pop to mind. But um, and what you'll find is that's a good guide. And from there you can 
start to build a working document where you just start dropping in words that you should use or you shouldn't use to be consistent with that, in your opinion. So what kind of words or phrases would we never want to say or what kind of words or phrases would we always want to have inside of our product or, or brand? It, it really also depends on who the audience is, right? So if you are, you know, if they want to sort of see this in action, you know, you can look at applications. So go through your, your apps on your phone and and just be be very cognizant of, of this. So, like, think through and, and look at all the different interactions that a product has with you. Think of the messages and how they make you feel. If you're somebody who's doing this for your own product or your own company, um, I think it often helps to to test the messages with users. So a lot of times you can test and find out how people feel, like how a certain message makes them feel. Uh, not necessarily if it's clear or if it's like an instruction to do something, um, but how does it make them feel? Like I, I think, you know, like a lot of times when I'm working with, with, with product managers or designers, they often, you know, they think of microcopy as, is it's 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 a functional thing, right? It's it's helping a user understand or or do something, but they often forget that um, that same microcopy or that same message has an emotional um, uh, an emotional purpose or an emotional sort of response to it. And so, I think just asking in the testing, not only is it is it is it clear or is it um, understandable, but you know, how does it make them feel? And I think that'll start to um, that'll start to reveal like how the different messages throughout your experience uh, play a role in 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 this you know emotional attachment that you're trying to build. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I I uh, think it was fascinating to learn a little bit about brand and product and the melding of the two. Um, very much appreciate you talking with us, Robert and Jesus. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Yeah, of course. To learn more about the importance of the relationship between product and brand, check out our website, pragmaticmarketing.com, where we've got articles, webinars, ebooks, and white papers. 